0: guy here you're listening to an audio broadcast of Market Call. That's M-R-K-T Call. It's a daily video series I do with Dan Nathan every Monday through Thursday live at 1 p.m. Eastern. We break down the big market-moving headlines and offer trade ideas. Each week, we're joined by our friends Carter Worth of Worth Charting and Liz Young, that's EY of SoFi, for their investment analysis. So check it out. And if you like it, follow at Market Call on on Twitter and subscribe to Risk Reversal Media's YouTube page so you never miss an episode. Monday, November 14th. Sorry for the late start. I was impaling myself with technology. Guy Adami, Dan, Nathan, just a few minutes. Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting today's November fourteenth. I can't believe it. Episode of Market Calls brought to you by FactSet Financial Data and Analytics, powered by Tomorrow. Dan, we're out of here at one thirty on the screws, so we gotta hustle your bustle. On
1: the screws, guy. Um, Here's the deal, dude. It's Monday. We had that huge rally on Thursday Mm -hmm. and Friday. We talked about it on Market Call here. And you know what? I'm looking at my fact-set machine, and I see basically the S&P's Unchanged. I see the NASDAQ basically unchanged. It's not bad price action when you think about a couple of days like we had. I mean, I think you used uh, the, you titled our podcast on Friday, which is on the tape. You can Mm -hmm. find it in your favorite podcast store, people. What do you call it? Widespread panic. Wasn't that good?
0: Widespread panic to the upside. Wasn't well, that a good title? Nice. And it, it's it's funny. And we talk about this and hopefully our new viewers, listeners will take something from this, but we always associate panic with selling. That's just what we've been conditioned to do. But I will tell you that what you saw last week, late last week was panic, but that was absolutely panic buying people that thinking they're going to front run the Fed. Maybe it's over. And you know we're going to party into 2023, all those things. And listen, Maybe it happens. We'll see. But the buying you saw and the price action you saw, not only in equities, but in currencies, in the bond markets, in some commodities, was absolutely panic buying.
1: Yeah, no. And so Peter Bookbar in his uh, book Report, and Peter's a good friend of ours and friend of the show. He was quoting David Rosenberg, also mm-hmm. friend of ours, friend of the show, uh, Rosie of David Rosenberg Research here. Just kind of putting some perspective on some of these one-day moves that we've seen in bear markets. We've, you know, again, Guy, you've mentioned it on numerous occasions, some of the biggest rallies, especially one-day rallies have happened in the bear markets. Ryan Dietrich, a guy that we quote um, a bunch over here, has a bunch of data about those bear market rallies valleys and what happens after they're thinking maybe we're out of a bear but our friend cantro cantro saying not so fast here so again i think the way you've kind of phrased it panic's not good you know panic selling to the downside right now would get us closer to thinking that maybe that's near capitulation but the sell-offs to your point have been very orderly so when you see this sort of snapback when sentiment's so poor and people are buying that way it doesn't make me feel bullish guy
0: well look and again i don't want Want to sort of belabor this point. And by the way, for you folks playing bingo, if you're putting in your comments what I'm going to say to make your bingo card, you'd lose already because I ain't going to do it. I ain't a sucker. <laughs> but I'll say this. When you're in a bull market, the panicly typically happens on the sell side. When you're in a bear market, which we've been in since literally, um, I don't know, a few months after this time last year. I mean, this is when the market topped out last year. And then we subsequently got into a bear market a few months later. The panic you see is to the upside. And that's clearly what we saw last week. We'll see where it ends. Dan, we've said 4,000 in the S&P, maybe an overshoot. And lo and behold, here we are. Well, that was a good call by you. I
1: I was buying some individual stocks that I just thought would bounce and fill in the gap after some very disappointing results. And what I thought was some hate selling, they were primarily in the NASDAQ. We've talked about the rotation into value into some industrials, that sort of thing. I mean, that's been um, a good trade also. And that one may have some legs here, but when I think about just kind of the disconnect between some of the biggest names in the S&P and the NASDAQ, and they were predominantly all tech, and the results that we saw and the performance The stocks afterwards. um, You know, it's not leading. When I look at the NASDAQ 100, let's pull up the QQQ, the ETF that tracks it right here. It's like, okay, we didn't make a new low about a Mm -hmm. week and a half ago from that October 13th low. And, you know, we haven't gotten yet to that downtrend that's been in place since the start of this year, really late last year, that declining 200-day moving average. But man, oh, man, guy, I'm starting to peel out of some of these stocks that I bought. One of them is Meta, okay? I bought that, I think, around 92 or 93. Here it is at 115. That gap fill would probably get you back towards 120, and it really feels like it wants to get there. But part of my trade with some of these names is just taking advantage of what I thought was an overshoot to the downside. And then if you get a broad rally, like you've been calling for these names should outperform. And they have. The NASDAQ went up 10%. And a lot of the stocks that I bought off the lows went up about 20.
0: You outlined it perfectly when it happened. And listen, did you have to endure a couple of days of pain to the downside? Yeah, but you sort of averaged in. You got yeah. your price point. To a decent level. And then you got the subsequent move that you've been waiting for. And we say it all the time. And people that tell you that they bought the lows or sold the highs, I'll use this word, they're all full of shit. And yeah. if they were so smart, they wouldn't be on Twitter and these things. We unfortunately don't have the proprietary system that tells us the lows and the highs. I'm sure there's some people out there that do, but you're never going to get that point. And so you have to be prepared to suffer a little pain. You just have to know how much pain you can endure. You always talk about, risk levels and risk reward and when yeah. to cut your losses that all plays into this but that trade in my opinion was executed extraordinarily well, well i mean listen to your point i mean like you know your your football coach at croton on the hudson
1: guy back there in the 40s 1940s sorry 50s he used to say early's on time right and the thing about being early when it comes to <laughs> markets is that it can be painful and you better have conviction and you better have some sort of decent risk controls and where i get in trouble is when i'm early convicted and not using good risk controls. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, if you kind of get early by a few days, which I was in Amazon, I was in meta, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not one of these people who believe in like a three day rule. What I believe in is trying to kind of leg into a position, but I'm always going to be early on the profitable side. Like when, when the trade starts to work here. So at meta right here at 115, I'm out it could go to 125. It could go back towards that downtrend, but I had my trade. You know what I mean? And now I'm actually thinking about, I really kind of want to lay into the NASDAQ, but if we pull that QQQ trade up, a uh, chart up one more time, I'd really love to see another three or 4%.
0: You know that's I mean? exactly Look, and that's yeah. exactly right. And the next iteration of this Facebook trade is probably going to be to identify a place to short it again, which is exactly yeah. what you're saying. When you say lay it out in terms of the NASDAQ, that's what you mean. And you know, you're not going to, Listen, will you be disappointed if it gets to 125, 130? Of course. I mean, we're human beings, but the trade is a great trade regardless. As I said, you're never going to buy the lows or sell the highs. Another name, Dan, I think we did a decent job with was AMD. And look, a stock that more than got cut in half. Look at this chart. But we said, you know, it seemed as if you were putting in a little short term bottom. We're still in a very significant downtrend. But if earnings came out anywhere in line, the stock was going to rally 15 or 20%. And again, that's what we're seeing. Stock's still in a downtrend. I mean, without question, the stock is still in a downtrend. Moving averages suggest that as well. If it gets to that trend line, if you're really aggressive, you probably try to short it, maybe vis-a-vis puts or vis-a-vis an outright short. But that's types of things we're talking about. Some of the best trades, we say it all the time on the long side take place in bear markets. And those two examples are good, I think.
1: Yeah, no, the AMD one is interesting to me because it's got some valuation support. There's kind of some fundamental drivers that I think are kind of working in their advantage. They've been taking a lot of share versus Intel, and they're just executing better on some advanced technologies. I know the the, the chip ban with um, China, I think that obviously put a little pressure on the stock a month ago. But to your point, I mean, the stock did not rack horribly to results and it looked like it was trying to put in a little base. Here's one though that we've talked about, they're gonna report later on the week and this is gonna be, I think, a really telling one guy for the like, kind of how much the Nasdaq has left in the tank, and this is Nvidia. And when you look at this thing, the chart looks identical to AMD. It's it's upper left, bottom right, and um, but we're getting towards that downtrend. And what be fascinating is that the stock is already up fifty percent mm-hmm. off of its lows here. It's still down, you know, fifty percent, about forty five percent on the year or so. Um, but again, for the stock to bust out above that downtrend, you would need a guide up. And, you know, I mean, and and good results. And I just don't see that happening in this kind of um, environment. So, again, if you maybe get towards that kind of 175 or something like that, um, looks like it'd be a kind of a great level to maybe take a shot on the short side. 100 percent. And and think
0: about why NVIDIA rallied the way. it did. First of all, I mean, to your point, it had a tremendous sell off and people were just looking for bounces and you got it. But it also bounced on the back of the Facebook earnings call when they talked about the amount of money. They were spending in the metaverse that they can't explain. Well, the NVIDIA was the winner to that. But if Facebook starts to ratchet back, you know, just the same way NVIDIA won to that, NVIDIA could lose to that as well. So I look at this and say, here's an opportunity if it were to get to that trend line to put the risk reward on the downside, I think sets up extraordinarily well. Now we're going to be right. I don't know, but you have to sort of define your odds. And this one, I think, can work for you if we can get up to that trend line. Moving average is still trending lower have a 50% rally off the bottom, this is one that could absolutely give a significant portion of that back.
1: Well, here's what we're going to do prior to that result um, You know, later on the week. Maybe we'll do a little options yeah, trade in that one. I'm going to be looking for I'd love to see it kind of keep going here a little bit. Alright, last thing in tech before we move into some macro stuff. Um, the ARK ETF again, we haven't talked about this one in a long time. I do think it's really interesting that Tesla is now the second largest holding as the stock is just absolutely cratered over um, the last month and a half or so. Zoom is the largest holding guy now, nine and a half percent. And what's interesting to me about this one is, again, you know, like this is like the island of mis- misfit tech toys. And it's down about 75% from the early 2021 all-time highs, but i about 58% on the year. And this thing is kind of grinding it a little bit. Maybe when we get Carter in here, he can kind of give us his two cents on this one. It's at that downtrend that's been in place since April. You see that support. It did make a new 52-week low last week, but it's bounced hard off of that is
0: this all about tesla at this point guy it's a lot of it obviously we've talked about it for a while i mean some of those bombed out names have bounced in a pretty meaningful way so that's given the support tesla was sort of the last leg of the stool maybe interest rates have a little bit to do with it as well you know the fact that she continues to get quoted over and over again is somewhat maddening but again that's fine it's all i'm not here to to you know knock kathy wood but with that said, can this bounce continue? Yeah. I mean, if you get some stabilization in Tesla, and again, some of those, the Rokus and the DocuSigns and whatever else she has in that amalgam of an ETF, you, know, you get a 15, 20, 30% bounce in those names that have been down 75 to 80%. And this thing can go up clearly. Doesn't mean it's yep. fixed. But I mean, again, they're trading vehicles.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And just real quickly, you mentioned yields. And and when yields got absolutely smacked on Thursday, I mean, a lot of the stocks that are in that ETF and similar ones had big rallies. And again, they started going down precipitously prior to rates going up okay, late last year, early this year. And I think there's a lot of investors who think that that's going to be the sort of seesaw action. When you look at this uh, chart of the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield, you see that break of trend um, that had been in place since early August. That happened on Thursday. I think it was like a 30 basis point move to the downside. And now, Guy, we're really just looking at those. I mean, there's two levels here. You know, it's that 3.5% that we've talked about Mm -hmm. in the 10-year. That was the breakout level from early September. And then go to that 200 moving average, which is rising here. And was also a breakout level um, from mid August. Do you think we see three and a half? And then could we kind of get into the danger zone between three and a half and three?
0: Yeah, I've said for a while, three and a half is in play without question. I thought that would be accompanied with a two year that stays sort of bid around four and a quarter, which again, suggests 75 basis points inversion, if not bigger than that, number one, you know, move down to three percent. You know, I don't know what necessarily is going on in the world in order for yields in ten year to fall to three percent, but I can't believe it's going to be particularly good. Again, the knee jerk reaction will be bullish for stocks, but I got to believe it's going to come under the auspices of something really bad happening. So, three and a half percent makes a lot of sense. You can do it via the TLT. You've done it with GOVT. Yep. But again, we haven't really wavered now. In terms of this one, the move up really, the significant move north of sort of 415, 420 surprised me. But now things are starting to make a little bit more sense.
1: Yeah. All right. Real quickly on the U.S. dollar index, this is the DXY. I've been playing it on the short side via the UUP. I got an email from Worth Charting on Uh-oh. Thursday, I think it was. It said take off half of your short. I was already in the process of thinking about that. So, Carter, thank you. We'll bring you on there in a second here. But here's the UUP, You know, or excuse me, the Dixie, the U.S. dollar index. I think his target was 104 on the downside. He uses 150-day. We're looking at the 200-day it's rising it's at that point that that kind of low from early august and again let's see how it acts there but to me this was the trade i was playing for over the last couple of months i got it i'm moving on here a little bit but cart our guy you know again knock on if you look at crude oil here versus what's going on with the dollar you know you and i have been talking about this one you've been you've been steadfast long oil drillers and large integrators xle and oih and that's worked for you last week i put a bearish trade The XLE, I was right for about a day. Now I'm wrong. But here's the thing look at this crude chart, it's kind of really Holding on for dear life on this near-term uptrend, you see the little downtrend that's been in place, and we just overlaid this this um, tweet from David Rosenberg this morning when he was talking about University of Michigan consumer sentiment averages seventy-one during um, uh, during uh, recessions and it averages eighty-eight during expansions. We are at fifty-five mm-hmm. this month, so again, you know, consumers very pessimistic, but crude oil is going down right now.
0: Yeah, it look. The commodity, you've had a tremendous call. I think the the stubbornness of the underlying equities tells a different story, but maybe they're completely decoupled now. You know, maybe the equities are one entity, and the commodities comes completely different. We've said for a while the crude goes sideways at these levels for the next year, year and a half, and those underlying equities should still rally. But if you're looking at the commodity, quite frankly, we should be rallying here, in my opinion. You know, with yeah. the dollar weakening. Um, the fact that we're through the elections, to me, it all points to a crude rally, but we're not getting it over the last couple of sessions. So we'll see. With all that said, which is my want to say, <laughs> these these energy stocks are still trying to tell a story. You have a huge move today in Valero. I'm not trying to play stock market quickly, but if Jacob just put a quick Valero VLO chart up just to take a look, you'll see. I mean, th- this is playing into the hands of a lot of the big cap integrated names, and to a certain extent, some of these refiners. And if we can't do it, that's up. We're going to do it right now. So here you go. So you look at this move to Valero. Once again, we're testing the levels we last saw back in June. So just keep these things on your radar screen, folks. Fair enough. All right. The aforementioned Carter Carter
1: Braxtonworth, a worth charting here. He's had the call on the U.S. dollar index. He's had the call on yields. Carter, thanks for joining us here on a Monday.
2: Man, man, how are you? Yeah. I, you know, just to touch on the Kathy Wood things, this is, um, history repeats. Uh, and so we have, there's always someone, it's not their fault. who becomes the poster child. <laughs> just remember, uh, think about the Munder net net fund in 1997, it was $10 million. It got to 12 billion and it closed in March of 2000 saying, we can't take any more money. The thing ended up losing 70, 80% or <laughs> Marsico. Marsico and Denver's peak assets were $110 billion in 1999, 2000. They are running $2 billion now.
0: It's amazing. The
2: Kathy Wood's story is the story of the market. You get excess at great moments. Someone becomes a deity, the name of names, and then they end up disappearing.
0: Yeah. There and again, go. it's not, listen, and we're not trying to be mean to her, but I think your point is well taken. I mean, we yep. the history is littered with things like this. Yeah.
1: No doubt about it. All right, Carter. Here's the deal. Okay, with what all the action that we saw on Thursday and Friday in the stock market, we saw yields come off. What's your take here? Because again, we started the show by saying pretty remarkable that we have a lot of you know just kind of unchanged action in the equity markets. Yields have kind of you know they kind of found a bottom. The bond market was closed on Friday. When I say a bottom, they they found like you know they're they're not careening lower again. Um, today the U.S. dollar index is, is kind of found a, a little bit of uh, reprieve here thoughts on the macro here?
2: Yeah, you know, maybe the best way to answer, and I never answer it this way, is um, on last night's subscriber video, I, I talked about a trade. Um, I almost never buy options. I always sell them, and I sell them naked, so it's, it's high-risk stuff. Most people don't like to do it, uh, but here's what I did last night um, on the e-minis. Yes, I sold the 4075s, 4075 calls. I took in 15 bucks for those, they expire on Friday, and mm-hmm. I sold the thirty nine hundred puts. So each about two and a half percent away, and that has already collapsed. I took in thirty bucks, and it's trading at twenty two. Now I'm keeping it on because I think basically after all the excitement of the past several weeks, that we're going to probably have a dormant week. One, yeah. we know the Fed's kind of out of the way. Two, we know the elections are kind of out of the way. Three, we know the the earnings are basically done, and so you get a lot of volatility and then you get some quiescent periods. I wouldn't go out very long with that, but look, five days out, one day is already done, the vols collapsing. Uh, that's yeah. what I think the market's going to do. It's going to be kind of stuck here for a bit.
1: Yeah. And, and I would just say, interestingly enough, because we we kind of hit options on the show um, kind of frequently, like if you were long the S&P, let's say you were long the SPY, OK, and, and you, uh, again, you know, you got that bounce, but you didn't want to sell it. The idea of a dormant week and kind of taking in some premium against that position, you know, you obviously can sell a call and do an overwrite, right, if you were to do the weeklies or something, or what Carter did was sell a strangle. So he's selling an out-of-money call. He's selling an out-of-money put. He is naked, so he's not long the underlying here. And if the if the ETF or the index in this case is in in between those two strikes on expiration, he takes in all that premium. Again, I've been doing options for a long time. I think the way you prefaced it, you know, generally selling naked options is a tough one. A lot of individual imbe- investors with whatever broker dealer they're using, it takes a lot of margin to do that. Also, so yeah. again, the idea is if If you're along the underlying, looking to kind of take advantage of elevated premiums in a market that you think is going to go sideways, selling calls against it or selling call and a put um, in in the form of a strangle makes some sense. Guy, that was a little
0: big, big earnings week. We'll put up a slide. Um, We're taking a look at a few of these charts. Home Depot, Walmart tomorrow. You want to take a look at Gap and Foot Locker. Run us through Carter Worth. You brought some great charts. By the way, the Home Depot chart, which you talked about a couple of weeks ago, is coming to fruition
2: yeah, let's do it. So we've got a bunch here, and the lines uh, again, are in the eye of the practitioner mind, but um, sometimes they draw themselves. What do we know? We have a downtrend. It's not much of a trend line in the sense that we only connected three points, but we gapped above it uh, on heavy volume. You also have the phenomenon of it doesn't reach the June low. And I think that's one way to draw the lines. You also can, Uh, putting the moving average, which is another way to measure changes in trend. And so the point at which you break above the absolute trend line is typically the point at which you move above the moving average, which is an automated trend line. But the key is it's flattening, right? So it has all the elements of a bearish to bullish reversal, earnings coming, we shall see. Um, I think we've got others,
0: but yeah, we do. Walmart is obviously the other the big yeah, two now, tomorrow, right? So this
2: this thing is just a pair of twos. Like, what mm-hmm. do you really do with that? No, I think. Well, watch this next iteration. I've got no lines, and then here are the lines. Like, okay, it goes a little higher, fills the gap, uh, bet short. Why? I have a long term chart of Walmart that might be on here, and that's really the issue. So you've got a great move in a fairly low beta. Uh, asset, and that then after breaking trend has thrown back to the underside. And while we're not quite all the way back to the underside of of the trend line, the blue line. My hunch is to fade this into earnings.
1: Yeah, and? just real, real quickly on that. So if I'm looking at the stock at around 140 and I'm looking at the, at the money straddle, that'd be the call mm-hmm. premium and the put premium. It's a little less than $8. That's a little less than 5.5% of the underlying stock price. So that's the implied move in the options market in either direction. And I think that long-term chart is really interesting, Carter. It would take a beat and a raise to get it to break out above that long-term uptrend yeah. that is was support and is now resistance. And so to me, we all know that there's going to be heavy, heavy discounting into this holiday season. So um, I'd probably lean that way too. Guy, what do you got?
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it, it is definitely a pair of twos, but I'm more inclined to look for a bounce to that uptrend line and fade it. than I'm to try to break, you know, to buy it on a breakout quickly, Carter, just, well, let's go to the gap chart um, because I think this is interesting as well. This looks, you talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you drew those little, those mm-hmm. semi circles and mm-hmm, you talked mm-hmm. about the potential for this. And here we are.
2: I mean, talk about the vagaries of valuation. How do we explain? Anyone explain? $37 just, what, eight months ago? And then drops to seven. But either way, bottoms... If you're not going to go out of business, start to have a look and feel. That's what this is. Another uh, just I like it. Uh, I think you want to play long uh, into earnings.
0: And that's on Thursday, by the way. I think you have a I want to say you have one more gap chart, I think, without the lines, just to take a look at it. Because, again, the moving averages sort of speak to exactly what you're talking about, flattening out.
2: Yep. Flattening out. It's not quite flat, but the inference can be made. Yep.
0: And let's take a look at Foot Locker, which I believe is on Friday, if I'm not mistaken.
2: So, what's interesting here, of course, is you see that gap, that huge move up, which was an earnings beat, and it stopped dead cold where the overhead supply is, filled the gap. Now we've checked back. So, you can call it a reversal formation known as a cup and handle. You could call it a head and shoulders bottom, which I think we've got another iteration. You could put in the trend line, um, all which should suggest uh, what? That we've bottomed. And finally, put mm-hmm. in the 150 moving average. And what we've got here is how a stock bottoms. Do they always continue as the arrow is drawn? No, but the point is, and I would say it this way, if you had a hundred stocks exactly like this, 1940, 1980, 2040, when we're all out of the business, um, you play the odds, 70, 65%, they turn, they go. I think buyer.
0: that's. A, I know. I think that's exactly right. And your point is well taken. Listen, do we know that it's going to continue this? No, absolutely not. But you, you, you try to put the odds in your favor. And again, Carter goes through hundreds, if not more, charts, and he comes up with these things for a reason. So, is he absolutely certain it'll happen? No. But I will tell you, he's pushed the odds absolutely in your favor, and that's how I look at it, Dan. Real quick.
1: Yeah, no, I think this is going to be a really important week, um, you know, with these retail earnings and what they have to say about the holiday season, because it might really kind of be the last dash here, especially at a time where the consumer, you know, while, while inflationary readings might be peaking and interest rates might be peaking, but the consumer might be a bit tapped here. So really interesting one. And, and, and then, you know, Target's going to be interesting to me, Guy, whether it can kind of get above this 180. I just think that, again, you know, one of the things that's worked during this earnings season is being patient on things that you're positively inclined for let the results come out, let the stocks gap lower, and then buy them. And we saw that in a Nike. We've seen it in a Starbucks. There's been a bunch of other plays, too, in the retail space. So that's my two cents on this stuff.
0: Appreciate that, Carter. Always great having you. Sorry we're abruptly ending, but we got to be Audi at 130. That's it for Market Call. Thank you, FactSet, for providing us all of the charts and data for this broadcast. We have a little bit of a different schedule coming up this week. So pay attention, peeps. Cheapest thing you can do. Tomorrow, Market Call will be at the open at 9.30 a.m. Tomorrow, 9.30 a.m. Wednesday, we're going to Naples, Florida for the CMA Group LPGA Tournament. So Market Call will be at 2 p.m. And Thursday, we're back at 1 p.m. Crazy. But it'll be fun. See you later.